Amen. Thank you very much for that. Uh, let's open our Bibles, please, to 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read uh, responsively verses 1 through 9. 2 Peter chapter 1. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. And shall we stand, please, for the reading of God's Word? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the resurrection of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And if you look at the end of verse 3, it says, He called us to glory and virtue. So that's why he saved us to become like Christ, according to Romans 8, 28 and 29. And so you have, that's the end, but then the very first thing, if you look at verse 5, it says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. So uh, when I was looking at this, uh, I, I love this passage, I've preached from it many times. Uh, I saw this, I've never noticed it before. But this morning, I want to speak on this subject. It's not really a very good title, but a virtue sandwich. In other words, you have virtue at the beginning, virtue at the end, and then all that is in the middle. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the message. Help us to understand the importance of this passage in growing in grace coming to a full maturity in Christ, adding to our faith. We pray that we'd see where we could have possibly erred and that we could go on into perfection. We yield your spirit that he would lead and guide us as to what to say and how to say it. He'd give us uh, the power we need to preach and hear the word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We know that God is a spirit. It's like wind. There's a flow, there's a freedom, there's a movement. Jesus said in John 3, we wist not how the wind bloweth. We, we don't know how it comes or where it goes. Just like the Spirit of God 
You must be born again. But on the other hand, God said all things must be done decently and in order. So you have this balance between the freedom of the Spirit to move and flow, and then you have the chronology, and it must be decently and in God's ordained order. And some people, they, they're just more naturally given to this. If you're an organized person, you like structure, you're more disciplined, you live by principle, you like records. Other people, they're unscheduled, casual, they're kind of like a rambler, and there is no order in their life. We say all the time they're consistently inconsistent. You can't depend upon them. And some people like to use this as an excuse for failure. They'll call themselves a free spirit. They'll say, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And I had a guy tell us that yesterday in soul winning. He said, I don't go to church. I believe in God. I don't need a group gathering about God. I'm a, basically a free spirit. And sad for that guy, his spirit doesn't blow much. He stays at home all the time and uh, feels sorry for himself. But you have to have this balance. So you, we have to have in these three doctrines of the growth of God, 1 Corinthians 15, it's in other places in the Bible, faith, hope, charity. Faith, you're saved by grace through faith. In some ways, faith has a slight element of doubt. Remember what the man said, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. But as you grow, faith turns into hope, and there, the, the element of doubt is removed. We now have the blessed hope that Jesus is coming again. There's no doubt about it. We're just waiting on it to happen. Good is done. It's a hope. But then hope grows into charity. And so charity is the expression of love, the behavior of love, but charity has no conditions. This is unconditional love. You do what you do because that's what you are. You're not looking for any recourse, response, gratitude, success. You just have charity. You have matured to the high level. Now, if this is going to happen, faith, hope, charity, and if you're going to grow, go on to perfection. There must be the God-ordained chronological order of your earnest diligence to add to your faith. And if you violate this, you will never see faith turn to hope and hope turn to charity. You will fail and you will never reach your potential. So think about this. The Bible tells us, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, ye must be born again. So when you receive Christ through simple faith, you're saved, you have eternal life, your spirit is regenerated, brought back to life by the work of God, 
And then he tells us, not a suggestion, it's a commandment. Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So as newborn babes, you begin to grow in grace. How? By desiring the milk of the word, not the meat of the word. But as you do this, you'll begin to grow. You'll begin to become more and more like Christ. So as you do this, there will be a step by step as the Spirit moves in your life with freedom like the wind. There will be a chronological step-by-step -step order and this ought to take place, number one, naturally. It, it'll just happen if you're saved. You know, babies just grow. You don't have to tell them grow. You better do what I tell you, grow. You know, if somebody's saved, they're going to start growing. You know, and some of us need to just face the truth. A lot of people who make a false profession and nothing ever happens, they didn't get it. Because if you're born again, you're going to start growing in grace. And so as this happens naturally, secondly though, we must be deliberate. We must be diligent with our intent on where to put the emphasis at the right time, in the right order, so that you can become all that God saved you to be. If you don't, if you're casual, if you're negligent, if you get it in the wrong order, or if you skip certain virtues, if you will, you'll never grow in grace like you would have. So if you analyze a Christian, we do this all the time, and uh, not talking about them behind their back. You're just sitting there thinking, they go, there's just something missing in that person's life. There's just something's missing. There's something not right in the way that person thinks, in the way they live. There's some missing element, if you will, or ingredient. And the reason is they have violated these principles. You can't escape it. You can't run from it and neglect. This is applicable to all. You have to add to your faith certain things in a certain order. And if you don't, then there's something wrong and you can see it. So that's why it says grace and peace be multiplied. Now, what is the purpose of this grace and peace? that we would become partakers of the divine nature. So we're not trying to copy God. The Bible says, follow Christ as dear children, or God as dear children. We are not feigning or mimicking. We're not actors. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. But we're to be partakers of the very nature of God being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so how do you do this? It says through knowledge. There's certain things you have to apply yourself, study, lock it in your memory bank through repetition, and then you will get glory and virtue which God has called us to glory and virtue. Now, the more like God you become, the more virtue you will have. The less like God you are and immature, you will have less virtue. So because of this, 
God gave us divine promises in the Word of God, which these divine promises are conditional. You have to meet the condition. All the promises in Him are yea. He'll never lie. It's impossible for Him to lie. We can always trust in Him. But we have to learn the promises, claim the promises, so that why? We can do two things. Be partakers of the divine nature, the nature of God, and escape the corruption of the world through lust. And so why do most people still live a life of corruption, of lustfulness, of worldliness? They can't get over the philosophies, the rudiments of this world, the old life, the old crowd. They're always looking back, wanting to turn to Sodom. They're always making an excuse for failure or there's something missing in their life. So, here's what we need to do. It's pretty simple. Claim the promises of God. Meet the condition of the promises of God. And then, with what the Bible calls diligence, you must begin to add to your faith. Now, I've had people tell me, you know, I, I believe in God. I met a few people yesterday. said, I believe in God. But they never added anything to their faith. It, it was obvious. By the way they upkept their property, the way they dressed, their defeatist attitude, the, their whole life spelled out. And, and Brother Horgesheimer made a very good observation. The saddest thing of all is they liked it. They didn't want anything better than that. They didn't want to reach their potential. They lacked dignity of humanity, created in the image of God. So think about this. God called us to what? Glory and virtue. That's why He saved us. When we drop these robes of flesh, we go up to meet the Lord in the air, we're changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and we are glorified in a, in a moment, transformed into His exact image. Glory and virtue. That's why He saved us. God did not save us so we wouldn't go to hell, right. primarily. Right. He did not save us so we would go to heaven, primarily. He saved us to become like His Son, Romans 8, 28, 29. And He saved us to, to glory and virtue. Now, that's the end. What did He say after you received Christ by faith? What's the first thing you add to your faith? Virtue. So you have virtue at the beginning, virtue at the end, and you have all this in the middle, sandwiched, if you will, and God told us, add to your faith virtue because I called you to glory and virtue. Now, you have all these concepts and vain philosophies, and you have all these denominational differences, and even in independent Baptist circles, I think I've counted up at least six camps, maybe seven. And there's probably more than that now. And so you're either a Bible believer, let the Bible interpret itself, or you're in one of these camps where it's kind of seen from a certain perspective. And what does the Bible tell us? Focus on virtue. Now, that word is an interesting word. It means manliness. To be 
a man created in the image of God, and it means to have valor, and it means to have a spirit of excellence, to be the best you can, to do the best you can for God, and it means to be strong and to be lifted up like a man and to walk erect, not slumped over, not slouching, not bad posture, and it means to live with the morals of Almighty God, to have the integrity of Almighty God, and it means to have some conviction and to have your principles and your morality based upon the divine nature which is God in you. And then it says, how are you going to add virtue? With diligence. Not with half-heartedness. Not with a casual attitude. The word uh, diligent means as a dispatch to send a letter or in a very important message. And it means to do it with earnest, with haste, and it means top priority. Top priority. Now, you know, like you go to the U.S. mail and they'll say you want to send this regular ground or with priority or overnight. A lot of times you send it priority and it still doesn't show up. Or you can pay to overnight it and it still doesn't show up. Uh, good old U.S. government comes to the rescue again. Um, but we're supposed to do this with diligence. In other words, this becomes, after you're saying, the most important thing in my life. Are you listening to me? Not your marriage, not raising of your children, not your career and money. When you get saved, the first thing with diligence is to add virtue to your faith. And this is why you'll see so many people, there's something not right, there's something missing in their life. So I, I just want to say this by way of introduction or as I continue. To be manly, it doesn't mean to be a he-man. Now, you have by mercy and truth iniquity is purged, right? You have to have truth. That's what he's saying. A real man lives by principle and truth. They don't live by emotion, sentimentalism, subjection, a personal agenda. The first thing you need to add to your faith is virtue and some people will interpret this and misunderstand it as cruelty now and some people will think you're calloused and you're heartless and i've seen this happen to a lot of preacher boys and you know you can see when somebody's really getting right with god as they start hating sin they know what to stand up for. They know what to speak out against. They have some grit. They have some conviction. They have a backbone. They're not afraid of their wife. They're not trying to please the crowd. They know what they've added some virtue to their faith. And some people will interpret this as, you're cruel. But the reality is, the truth is the truth. You can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. Pilate asked, what is truth? Jesus said, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. The truth shall make you free. Not emotions, not sentimentalism. 
Not compassion. Not mercy. Not forgiveness. Only the truth can make us free. So what happens is people are either don't add it first or they cannot handle the persecution of being misunderstood. That guy's a hothead. That guy's out of hand. That guy preaches too loud. That guy uh, has too many standards. That guy is a fighter. He's a troublemaker. But see, if you don't go through this, you'll never get compassion. Because if you put compassion first, you're a liberal compromiser and you don't know what's right or wrong. You have to add to your faith in the right order. And that's why, you know, when we went to college, 2,500 preacher boys fighting sin is a big problem. You know, they got in fits. Couple, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this. Some of them got in fist fights. They hated sin so much, they didn't know how to fight it. Uh, that seems strange, doesn't it? But something ought to make you mad. Something ought to make you mad. You know, all these spineless, yellow, backbone wimps out there trying to preach. They couldn't preach their way out of a paper bag. And, and yet they're all love. They don't even know what love is. Because they never added the virtue first. So this is where you get liberalism, political correctness, mamby-pamby, uh, one brother house called it pink tea, lemonade, and pussyfoot and fight and all that stuff. Uh, you know, these just wimps out there that can't handle the truth because they didn't have any backbone with virtue. So then they didn't add knowledge to their virtue. Then godliness to, in, in this divine order to grow in grace. So what is virtue? A man creating the image of God. A man creating the image of God. To stand up. And the old saying, if you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything. Having done all, to stand. So, this is the elimination of subjection, sentimentalism, emotionalism, personal agenda your own family, your own philosophies, your own upbringing. So in this passage, and, I, and I, I've talked about this many times, I love it, is you have to have three principles. You have to have the divine ingredients. Number two, you have to get them in the divine order and then you have to do divine addition, not replacement or subtraction. If you'll do these three things, you'll become a great man, a great woman. You'll become a great child of God if you do these three things. Get the right things in the right order and add to the previous and never replace or get them in the wrong order. So a lot of people can't do this. So here's what happens. God's saying you ought to be a person of principle and conviction first. First. So if you add virtue to your faith, you'll know what's right and wrong. That's right. 
You'll know what's right or wrong. You'll be a man. Now, we live in a day where these people don't even know what's right or wrong. They, there's no black or white. It's all kind of gray. They're a bunch of compromisers for the average person. There's always some exception to the rule. But the truth is, if you put virtue first, you will have conviction. Now, at that stage, you don't have much compassion. You know, you're kind of mean. You're kind of, you're kind of hard to get along with. You're kind of stubborn. You're kind of uh, difficult. And that's what ought to happen. You know, and you just, hey, I'm sorry I'm growing in grace, but I'm going to add something to that. Just give me a little time. Uh, but they won't understand it. And so people who didn't do this, they can't relate. They look at you as a troublemaker. They look at you as somebody who's difficult because they didn't add it in the right order and they got something mixed up. And so therefore in the end, there's something missing. You know, it's kind of like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It only has two things in the sandwich and they left out the peanut butter. Uh, you got a jelly sandwich. Uh, that's the way most people live. Now notice, if you put compassion first, which a lot of liberals do, right. all grace, all love, lovey-dovey, love rattlesnakes, love cactus, you know, love scorpions, love the devil, you know, let, let everybody in. There's love everybody, smooth it all over. Then you have, you're not a man. I don't know what you are. You're not manly. You don't have any virtue. And you become then a compromiser. Your whole life is a compromise. Your whole life. Because you don't know what's right or wrong. You have no principles to stand up for to make decisions in your life. Now, if you don't add to and you violate this principle and you only have conviction alone, well, then you are a calloused, hardened, Brother Howells called him a Pharisee, looking down your snoot, thinking you're self-righteous, holier than thou, and you will never grow in grace. So you start there, you don't finish there, you add to that. So you have to do all these things. Now, I always use these illustrations, they're very simple. If you're a, a construction worker and you're building a home, you have to clear the property, you have to level it, first thing you do is what? You build the foundation. In that foundation, there may be electrical, there's probably obviously plumbing in the foundation. After you do that, then you bring in the carpenter and you frame the walls. Then you put the roof on the walls, which are built on the foundation. If you don't get it in the right order, you've got major problems. Now, you've seen where, uh, I remember one time when I was young, I worked at, uh, was it Eckert's? Was that a pharmacy? Yeah, I worked at Eckert's. And we're building this brand new building, spending a lot of money. They're putting in the cash register, and they didn't read the blueprints right. They built the whole building. They're putting in the tile. It's almost ready. And they brought in a jackhammer and had to jackhammer the whole foundation out to put in some electrical and some other thing. Cost them a ton of money because they didn't get it in the right order. And you look at a lot of people, 
they, they try to build the roof first. Makes a lot of sense. You know, you have, I'm building a new home. Here's my framing and my roof. No, you got to lay the foundation first. It has to be in the right order. So I'm not a cook, but if you're going to bake a cake, I don't even know how, uh, some type of ingredients. So you're going to have some flour and sugar and butter, maybe some baking soda and some eggs. I don't know. And, and, and that, you bake a cake. So let's just say you put everything in there, leave out the eggs, bake the cake, pull it out, frost it, and then crack a couple of eggs on top of the frosting. And then you present it to your family for dessert at the diner. How, how's that going to go over? A couple of raw eggs on the top. Not very good because you got it in the wrong order. You got it in the wrong order. And you got all these fake Christians who are adding love and compassion first. And they don't have any guts. They don't have any power. They don't have any virtue. They don't believe anything. Because you know why? They didn't add virtue to their faith. Now, this is very important because if you want faith to turn into hope, to turn into charity, then you got to know what to add to your faith or you're never going to get to hope. You'll never get to charity. So when you think about this, it's so important because you shouldn't add knowledge. You know, a lot of people are knowledge seekers, and I love knowledge. I read, study all the time. I'm always trying to add to my knowledge, my education. But if you do that first, without first learning what's right or wrong, you know, you better learn what an abomination is. You better learn what God hates and what God loves and what's right and what's wrong then you add to your virtue knowledge. And then what do you do? You add temperance to your knowledge, which what is that? Self-control. Discipline. You know, we had this guy, I told you before, this friend, he was studying to be a Catholic altar boy. We led him to Christ. He went to college with us. He never really learned what was right or wrong. He started out with temperance. He said, I'm going to fast. I'm going to get in my closet and pray. I'm going to get up at 4 o'clock every morning. I'm not going to eat. I'm going to be a miser. I'm going to, I'm going to save all my money. And he added temperance to his, to his faith. And he's out of the ministry right now. Total failure when it comes to the will of God. Because he's a very disciplined person. But he didn't get virtue first. So he didn't know what's, what's right or wrong. All he can do is live by schedule and be a miser. So after you get some self-control, you get patience. Now, you see, maybe you're dealing with somebody in your family who's an addict right now. You know why they can't get over it? Because they don't have any temperance. They're not, they have no control. You know why? Because they didn't add any virtue to their faith. Then they didn't add knowledge to their virtue. Then they didn't add temperance to, to that. And then you look at somebody who doesn't have any patience. And then what do you add to that? Godliness. And then notice the last two. Brotherly kindness you add to godliness. 
and then you add charity to your brotherly kindness. Now, we ought to all be friendly. We talk about it. Salute the brethren. How you doing, brother? Lord, amen. You know, kind, friendly, concern. But that isn't the first thing you do. That's the, that's the second to last thing you do. And, and so we have a lot of people. They either skipped or eliminated some of these ingredients or they got them in the wrong order. And this is the one that really bothers me. They replace. So they'll get to the point where they used to have some conviction, they used to preach, they used to believe something. Then they got so loving and compassionate, like Billy Graham said, there is no hell. The Pope's a, a good guy at the end of his... He used to be one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. At the end of his life, he said, Pope's a pretty good guy. There isn't really a hell. What did he do? He replaced virtue with brotherly kindness and charity. And that's not brotherly kindness and charity. That's, right. that's called being a compromiser and a liar. Mm -hmm. And by the way, for all the liars out there, liars will be friars. Yeah. Thank you for all those again this morning. So, man, it's quiet in here. <laughs> Leave me up here all alone. So, how are we going to get these things? Diligence. Now, the Bible says if you send a message by the hand of the fool, you cut off the fig and you drink its damage. And that's poison. If you send a message by someone who will not deliver the message in a timely fashion, you are bringing poison on yourself if you trust the wrong person to do the, a very important thing. What did God tell us? I'm committing to you the responsibility with diligence to add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and all these things. It means a dispatch with earnest and a timely fashion what would happen to, say, Federal Express overnight? And they, you know, it's on the airplane. And I used to drive to Houston to drive off, drop off packages for Federal Express, go to, I think it was Hobby International or one of those airports. And, uh, and the driver just says, you know, I have to get there at a certain time, but, you know, it's really no big deal. I think I'm just going to go home, take a break, take a nap. How long do you think he'd keep his job? Not very long. How do you think that'd work in the military where you were trusted with a dispatch to deliver in a timely fashion? You wouldn't last very long. You'd be court-martialed. You'd get a dishonorable discharge, especially in the time of war. Why do we think we as the people of God can not even have the right spirit? What's the right spirit? Diligence. Now, don't you ever get mad at somebody because they take this thing serious. Amen. Don't you ever get upset with somebody else because they think this is the most important thing in the universe. And you, you, you're ho-hum. 
You don't even care. You don't get up early. You don't. You stay up late when you know you need to be in bed. You're casual. You're undisciplined. You're lazy. And these other people have some, some conviction, diligence. And then what do you do? You add virtue to your faith. Now, for me personally, I never had any trouble with this because I guess people say that's who I am. But I had to add this to my life. And if you're naturally gentle and compassionate, then get it in the right order. Get it in the right order. But if you don't know what's right from wrong, if you don't know that these wicked stuff out there is Satanism, and there's cartoons and all kinds of wicked stuff trying to destroy your children's life. And if you don't understand what human uh, secularism is, that man's the highest animal and the, the wicked lie of evolution and the Big Bang Theory and sex education and all this stuff going on in the public schools, if you don't know what's right or wrong, you're never going to have faith turn into hope. And, if, and you'll never have hope turn into charity. And you could be saved 50 years and you'll still be struggling and wondering and, and confused. But if you'll just admit what you've done wrong, examine yourself whether you've been in the faith, and just ask yourself, what am I adding to my faith first? What did I in the very beginning if you're, say, 20 years ago or five minutes ago, what is the first thing you added to your faith? Should have been virtue. I want to be a man. I want to believe the Bible. What's right's right. What's wrong's wrong. It's none of my business. I don't take it personal. God said it, not me. So if my cousin's involved in something, it's still right or wrong. Or my own child is wrong in something. What's right is right, what's wrong is wrong, and I made my mind up, and then I'm going to start learning and adding knowledge to that. But if you don't, you may end up woke. <laughs> Whatever that is. Yeah, they're not woke, they're asleep. Uh, you may, that, that's, how did this stuff happen? I, exactly how. Transgender bathrooms are same, all this... How does this stuff happen? Exactly what I'm talking about. They don't know what's right. They don't know what's wrong. They try to get some knowledge. They're highly educated. But in the end, they never have faith, hope, charity. All right. So think about right now. You got to get in the sandwich of virtue. Virtues at the beginning. Virtue is the end goal. That's our destiny. Everything that's happening now is called sanctification and growing in grace. This is where we're at. And let people grow. Be patient. Wait. If somebody has a bad attitude, that's their problem. Amen. All right, let's pray. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. I want you to think about what was said as it applies to your life.